Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Weird World Podcast. We're still in the month of October doing our Halloweenies. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you I like thought that? we agreed, but we don't want to use that. We didn't agree. Halloweenies. Everybody likes Halloweenies. No. Anyway, my name's Carrie. I'm Emma. I'm Dean. The biggest Halloweenie of all. Oh, my God. <laughs> Damn. Is that a, actually, I'm kind of okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dean. What, what Halloween tale do you have for us this evening? Um, I have for you one of a... Oh, wait a second. Yes. I want to do a shout out first. Okay, do a shout out. Chris and Pete. Chris and Pete. We never shouted out Chris and Pete. Uh, we forgot. Yeah, that's good, Carrie. Make sure you let them know that we forgot to shout them out when you shout them out. Just say, oh, we're going to sh- have a shout out. Don't say you forgot. <laughs> we didn't forget. Oh, okay. I, I said that. We just haven't done it yet. Who okay. the hell is Chris and Pete? Chris and Pete are our new best friends that... Live in a town. <laughs> what, live in super a town? Because if we say that they live in San Diego, people might know which Chris and Pete we're talking about. They might. No, I don't think so. By the way, if you want to get a shout out, just let us live at your house for a couple of days and you'll get a shout out like yeah. Chris and Pete did. That's what they did. And it. drive us around. Yep. And Have their daughter drive us everywhere. <laughs> that, it's literally that easy. That's all it takes. Yep. Okay, anyway. And okay. tell us you listen to our podcast. Yes. <laughs> and we're going to quiz you. Okay, so now go ahead. Okay, I am going to share with you maybe the most notorious haunting of Canada oh. in Canadian history. I am going to be trying really hard not to do a Canadian accent in any way, shape, or form and offend our Canadian listeners. I find it hard to believe that Canada has ghosts. Oh. Canada has everything America has. Casper. They just pretend they don't. Casper's from Canada. That's pretty <laughs> well, obvious. I, that, that's true. I believe that Canada would have a Casper. Mm-hmm. They would only have friendly ghosts. So now, now you're stereotyping, Carrie. You know, <laughs> yes. and, and I'm sick of this. Find that Canada is Canadian. Canada. That's, that's, <laughs> that's how George Bush pronounced it. Canada is perfect. Oh, they're not perfect. But they're better than us. <laughs> well, okay. All right. I agree well, on that one. <laughs> Some background here. The case is sometime called Canada's Amityville Horror, even though it doesn't really have a lot in common with that. But it happened in Amherst, Nova Scotia in 1878 and 79. Oh, wow. This is an old-timey haunting. Yes, it is. Oh. More of a poltergeist event, though, as you will hear in a minute, but still has become to be known as the great Amherst haunting. So it's associated as a kind of a ghost story. Okay. It's long held this kind of notoriety, not just because of the remarkable and varied phenomena that occurred, but also because of kind of, I don't know, the normalcy of those involved. It was a small Canadian town, this you know, normal family that it happened to, and a normal person that it happened to, and it was witnessed by many very credible, just upstanding citizens who were <laughs> stunned by what they saw and had no answers for it. Why are you chuckling? Because they're all upstanding citizens in Canada. Oh, <laughs> my God. Kidding. So wrong of you. They've had serial killers in Canada. You do know that, don't I you? do know okay. that. They've had some horrific ones. Yes, they have. Can we look at the way Canada's treated their indigenous population Let's as well? Let's talk about that. Oh, Although yeah. nowadays they're way better than us on that account as well. I too. mean, that's not that hard. That's well, true. I don't know that they are. I think they're okay. They're pretty No. Cool. Oh, oh, no. Really? Okay. There are currently issues. Are there? Yes. Okay, let's, let's sidetrack on that for yeah. a while. <laughs> so, we start in 1878, the Teed House, T-E-E-D. It was a crowded place. Daniel Teed and his wife, Olive, rented a small house in Am- Amherst, Nova Scotia. It's a town of about 2,000 people at the time. 
It's located in northwestern Nova Scotia. It's right across the border from New Brunswick, if you Canadians, because no one else would have any idea what New Brunswick is. It's one of Canada's maritime provinces, as I know you know. On the east coast. On the east coast, of yes. Canada. Mm-hmm. Living in this small house with Daniel and Olive were their two little kids. Oh, also Olive's brother, William Cox. Oh, also Olive's sisters, Jenny and Esther Cox. Oh, did I also mention Daniel's brother, John Teed? And to help make ends meet, occasionally the Teeds would rent a room to a boarder. Oh, <laughs> wow. So that's six adults. Yes. Jesus. Are you count- I'm, and yeah. a couple kids. Yes. How many bedrooms were in this small There are house? apparently a lot of bedrooms, but still, like wow. I said, it was a crowded yeah. house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we're going to do a music cue here with any song from Crowded House. Okay. In August of 1878, they had rented a room to a man named Bob McNeil. McNeil was a shoemaker, but he had a kind of a less than stellar reputation in the town. I guess I think he was considered a little aggressive with his women friends. Oh, mm. okay. Esther... Cox, who was Olive's sister, was about 18 or 19 years old at the time. Accounts vary, but she's a late teenager, so it makes a lot of sense for them to have a border with a, you know, yeah. a bad rap. She was not aware of McNeil's sort of unsavory reputation, so I guess she would occasionally kind of, I don't know if she flirted with him, but she, would, she gave him the time of day and mm. talked to him, and they were friendly with one another. Bob, being a man took this as a sign that obviously Esther wanted to have sex with him. Uh-huh. As all men do. Yes. And if she resisted, she was probably just playing hard to get. Yeah. God, it's the worst. It's so... I mean, yes means no. Wait, no means yes. Never mind. Neither is true. So anyway, <laughs> one day, Bob McNeil came on a little strong to Esther, and she was having none of it, so he pulled out a gun. <gasps> And he threatened her. She still resisted, and he beat her and then attempted to rape her. Good God. She was apparently only slightly injured, the reports have it, but I guess fought him off because all everything it says reads as attempted rape. Yeah. So whether mm. she, she fought him off or it was stopped by someone else who heard the, what was going on, I'm not sure. But she was just she was not that badly hurt. The side note though. Not only do the sources I read not mention exactly how Bob McNeil's attempt at rape was thwarted, but they don't even indicate if there's any discipline. There's nothing about, oh, he was trying to... Thrown out of the house, even. even (laughs) Absolutely. It doesn't even say if he was asked to leave very kindly. So I'm not sure what happened to Bob. I'm assuming he was persona non grata, but still. Nothing nothing legally happened to him at all, which uh, is par for the course. Yeah, that's not surprising at all. No. That'll happen these days. Very often. Whatever the details, Esther was, she was not the same person after this event. She had been kind of this fun, outgoing, boisterous teenager, but now she was sullen, she was moody, she became very withdrawn, she was often found crying herself to sleep, and she grew very depressed. She was traumatized. She was Mm -hmm. very traumatized by this event. By the way, another item left unclear is... I never read why Esther was living with her married sister and not with her own parents at this time. I never read that her parents were dead. Maybe they were, but nothing ever said that. Mm. A couple of sources sort of hint at, or or really just sort of speculate that she may have come from an abusive home somehow. Mm. But like I said, it's read like pure 100% speculation. So for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, 
she was not living with her mom and dad. I, and I'm going to presume they were from the same place. This is at a time where people didn't really travel afar, and all the other family was there in Nova Scotia, in fact, in Amherst. So I don't know. I can't. Well, but you, also it wasn't just her, right? There was another sister. And brothers. And, so, yeah. so it does almost, if I had a totally speculating guess, maybe the parents were dead. Right, yeah. That's what I would guess. Yeah. Me too, yeah. Regardless, it was not long before Esther's altered personality was manifested in something far darker than mm. mood swings. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. So our first commercial? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we, we should, by all accounts, have a poltergeist in this house. What? Why? With, oh, yes, With actually. all the moody teens we've that's, had. That's true. We could have had many poltergeists throughout the, I through the years. I was an angel. So. You should have had three poltergeists <laughs> just by yourself. Fuck Easy. Easy. We could have named them. <laughs> had their own personalities. This one throws knives. This one th- it moves furniture. <laughs> and this one's just kind of an asshole. Esther shared a bedroom at the Teed house with her sister Jane, who apparently was also known as Jenny. Mostly sources call her Jenny, so we're going to call her Jenny. Okay. They're snoozing one night, not long after the incident with Bob McNeil. Both are awakened to, by some odd kind of rustling sounds that seem to come from under the bed. Oh. That's scary, right? Anything under the bed is horrific. Scary. Absolutely terrifying. Absolutely yes. mortifying. If you really mortifying. wanted to scare someone, you would hide under the bed, wait for them to fall asleep, and then fuck with them from under the bed. That would scare the shit out of anyone. I don't care how old oh, or how I rational. Well, that's why I pack all my off-season clothing under our bed. Yes, you do. So that um, yes. no ghouls have, can hide under there. You have the space under our bed 100% jam-packed. I've stubbed my toe many times because of that. <laughs> well, they're soft. It's like... Mm, not everything under there is soft, soft blanket. Mm, one thing no, of there's blankets. Like boxes and and shit. Yeah, there's those tubs. Yeah, you're, you're crazy, Oh, yeah, girl. on that side, you're right. Okay, then. Plastic tubs of wrapping paper. Um, great. That's where they belong. <laughs> so, some tell this incident with the rustling sounds beneath the bed as Jenny and Esther actually feeling something moving around under the covers with them in bed. Oh my God. Others tell the story as Jenny actually saw something moving beneath the covers after Esther was already in bed. So all are scary, but they kind of have a progression of scariness. Yeah. Whichever is true, they thought it was a mouse, but still they (laughs) screamed and they leapt out of bed. I think an Scream and leap mm-hmm. out of bed. In 1978, in uh, a small town in Canada, I think having a mouse in your room is pretty much normal. But maybe not having a mouse in your bed, in your bed, or under your bed. So they screamed. They leaped out of bed. Both of them. The rest of the house heard the no- the, the ruckus and they rushed in. But they found no mouse or anything else rustling around beneath or in the bed. So the two young women went back to sleep. End of night one. The next night, Esther and Jenny again hear noises that wake them up. This time, the noises seem to be coming from a box that is stored beneath the bed that held scraps of fabric. So See? you're a little holding boxes and shit. Actually, that's right. I'm now for for now. I'm going to see that's much scarier than I used to. <laughs> <laughs> One of them got under there and pulled the box out from under the bed, and suddenly it jumped into the air all by itself, and it landed on its side. So they went and they put the box upright, and as soon as it got upright, boom, it leapt into the air again. Wait, the box did? The box did. What? So the box just moved twice. Okay. Again, the girls start screaming. 
Yeah. They're scared shitless. Probably some, some pee. Was a little bit pee. <laughs> some pee pee. Yep. The family comes in, rushes in, checks on them. What's going on? Oh, this box is flying around. But everything looks normal to the family. There's no more box flying around. There's nothing under the bed again. No seeming cause of what just happened. So they're probably patted on the head, put back to bed. So far, <laughs> after two nights of this, it's weird, but it's nothing inexplicable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then the third night. <laughs> it's always the third night. Uh-huh. Esther went to bed early because she had not been feeling well that whole day. Sister Jenny, she came to bed a couple hours after Esther had gone to bed, and, and when she got under the sheets, Esther just right then just leapt out of bed and started running frantically around the room. She possibly went into convulsions or had some kind of seizure, possibly not. The source that did that has a reason why she had convulsions. She thinks the whole thing was epilepsy, which is yeah. not true. And so I, I, I'm, Isn't that I, a common thing? It is. I take think, the convulsions yeah. with a grain of salt because no other source mentioned that, so I don't think so. But still, she's running around, she's frantic, and she appears to be in tremendous pain, and she screams, why is this happening to me? I'm dying. Jenny goes over and, and I guess, checks her out, and her skin was red, and it was hot to the touch. Oh. And it was beginning to swell. Mm. So th- then Esther began to choke, and she felt like she was struggling to breathe. Mm-hmm. That sounds like an allergic reaction. Oh, yeah, it does sound it like does. an allergic reaction. I hadn't thought about yeah. that. Really? Ooh. Keep that in mind when we go through possible answers. Okay. okay. Check. You, you okay. should have a notepad right now and be able to write that down, like some people who take this <laughs> seriously when they're listening to someone else, but that's fine. So Emma will remember. Okay. Steel trap up yeah. here. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think she's pointing to her pole, guys, by the way. <laughs> As the rest of the household stood by, mouths, I am sure, agape, they saw Esther's body swell horrifically. Like Ooh. a blueberry? I guess. In I, it's, Willy it's Wonka? Just, everything just says her body started to swell up. Huh. And pretty bad. And it turned blue, right? No, it did not oh. turn blue. Oh. No. <laughs> You're, it's not, it's not a Willy not Wonka <laughs> thing. Esther was, was frantic, and she felt like she was literally going to burst out of her skin, like her skin was going to burst. It was so bad. Jesus it was so Christ. Yeah. That would be scary. That would be Very terrifying. Scary. So as Daniel... Explode? Yeah. Exploding is never good. No. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Even in Monty Python, Mm-mm. bad. And he deserved it because he ate too much. So... <laughs> <laughs> As Daniel and Olive finally hurried into the room, I guess they, they hear, again, they hear the ruckus, they hear the noise, they come into the room, Esther collapses onto the floor, right? Just at that time, there's a massive boom sound, and it appears to come from under the bed. It's described as like a clap of thunder mm. from under the bed. Yeah. So loud, not just a, that was terrible, not just a, <laughs> but something much, much louder than that. All the descriptions say this thing was crazy loud. So it shook the room, and then shortly thereafter, it was followed by three more loud, deep, booming sounds. In moments, Esther's swelling began to go down. Her pain dissipates. She's basically all better, and very soon she's exhausted by her ordeal, but back yeah. to sleep in bed. Huh. So, but now they've seen things. There's been physical manifestations going on. So this, at this point, the family is now getting scared, taking it much more seriously. She, Esther is ill and bedridden for the next three days. During this time, no phenomena occur. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens. Quiet as a rustling mouse. I don't know. But then, 
four nights now after the last <clears throat> worst episode so far, a healthier Esther is again beset by her horror. Her skin goes red again. It's very painful to her. It swells abnormally again, and she's writhing in pain. She's desperate. She's freaking out again. And again, all at once, there are four thunderous clap sounds, and she's better. It's the end of the episode after these sounds come. Hmm. This is unexplainable. It is unexplainable. Very odd. They put her back to bed, and she goes back to sleep. But now they think, we need help. Mm-hmm. So the family decides to call a doctor, a medical doctor, hmm. which, as you might. Sure. Don't you think? I think so. His name is Dr. Karit. C-A-R-R-I-T-T-E. No idea if I'm pronouncing it right. Let's say I am. So he arrives at the Teed House the next day, and apparently he immediately witnesses all the strangeness that, the, that is haunting, has been haunting the household. He would later write that as he tended to Esther, for instance, he saw her pillow slide beneath her head with both of Esther's hands visible to him and not touching the pillow. Huh. So she's, he's ministrating to her, maybe a little stethoscope. Mm-hmm. Do they have stethoscopes? They're probably made of bamboo and string. But let's just <laughs> bamboo? Say, I don't know. Maybe. In Nova Scotia? Uh, beach bark. I don't know. <laughs> but... He's tending to her, and all of a sudden, the, the pillow slides out from under her head. I would be, okay, well, no, I'm done here. Okay, I will that's, not be, she's not my patient. Yeah, that would be it for me. I'm out, but no, not Dr. Curry. He sticks around. The banging sounds start again, and they, and they to Dr. Curry, they appear to be coming from beneath the bed. So he goes down there, and he searches, and he finds nothing down there to cause any kind of sounds whatsoever, let alone loud clapping sounds. Mm-hmm. Esther's blankets and sheets suddenly would fly across the room. They'd fly off her and fly across the room. And again, Dr. Crete sees nothing that could have caused that to happen. One time, when everything was quiet in the house, the doctor heard some odd scratching noises from nearby. Remember those? These are a little different, though. He notices that there's some plaster at the base of the wall. He's in their bedroom, right? The noise goes on. To him, it sounds a little bit like something, like a tool maybe, a metal tool scraping on plaster perhaps. Mm-hmm. So he look, looks up and he sees letters have been scratched into the wall there in Esther's room. They're a foot high. and they So huge letters. And they read ominously, quote, Esther Cox, you are mine to kill. <gasps> Jesus Christ. Wow. I have to believe they were all caps. I mean, that's the Probably, kind of thing yeah. someone would write in all caps. Yeah, I think so. but it's also going to take a whole lot of room. Yeah, that would the, take or a lot maybe of room, like it? some like each word like every other letter is capital and the other one is like lowercase. That lower is even case. scarier. Yeah. That is much scarier still. Shows yeah. how unhinged it is. Yes, unhinged Yikes. ghost are the worst kind. They're so Very rude. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know when stethoscopes were invented? Yes, when were stethoscopes invented? 1816. Okay, ah. so he had a stethoscope. Yeah. Yep. He had it made from Indian rubber. There you go. <laughs> they probably called it that. So, uh, okay, so he sees this horrific, scary message on the wall, and then suddenly a chunk of plaster from the wall tore loose, and it flew across the room, and it thudded to a stop at the floor at the feet of Dr. Karee. And the ghost, ghost or ghosts were not done yet, though. Potatoes flew across the room. Potatoes. I didn't, potatoes, exactly. That's terrifying. <laughs> were they Irish cocks? Is, cox is not Irish, is it? 
Cox sounds English. C-O-X sounds English, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but still, they ate potatoes too, let's say so. I don't want to stereotype. Everybody eats Irish potatoes. People. Sure, sure. Items would disappear from one room and be found in a different room where they did not belong. And there, I mean, there's just a whole litany of these phenomena, including unexplained fires lit throughout the house. Oh, that's a problem. Yes. Uh, a very big bedroom. one. Yeah. You don't want fires. No. Lit matches seemingly materialize from nothing and they'd fall onto people's beds. It's a little bit of a fire bug uh, yeah. ghost. Knives and forks would fly from tables or drawers, hurtling hard enough to stick into the walls. Yeah. Jesus, criminy. Furniture would move by itself. Sometimes it'd flip over or flip onto his side. Other times it would just slam against the wall. But again, countless times you hear witnesses say, no one was there. There was no one near enough to have done it, which all poltergeist cases say typically that. say that. But that's, that's consistent. Is that lots of witnesses. 13 to 16, would, I'll tell you later, would eventually give an affidavit saying, we saw some form of this phenomenon. We oh. didn't see any cause for it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. wow. And again, there came these deafening claps. It would later be estimated that the, these banging noises could be heard from 200 yards away from houses wow. that were clear across the, the, the town. I guess that would be I mean, it's only 2,000 people. I don't know. I don't know how long <laughs> it is. 200 charts probably is I don't have a chart. <laughs> what was the uh, density of the town? <laughs> Dr. Kareet said the sounds were as if someone was banging on the roof with a sledgehammer. So again, hmm. I, I, incredibly loud sounds. Yeah. They seem like sounds that couldn't be caused by, you know, knuckle wrapping or something right, like that. Yeah. No, I should say not. You should I, say that. I can crack my toes. Did you, you hear did. that? Put it by. Put your feet up by the mic. That, well, I can't do it now. No, just do it. I can only do it a couple times, really? and then they're all cracked out. All cracked out. All cracked out. How does it, it take to get be able to crack again, Care? What's uh, the? Probably a couple hours. Wow. You I suck. don't know. I can crack my ankle almost anytime I want. Oh my god! And that could be loud. Goes. I can crack my knees table, every time I bend them. My yeah, knees crack. I can crack my knees a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, these may be bad things. You may be in good shape because they yeah. might not, but I don't know. Well, mine's only my toes that crack, nothing Damn. else. I can oh. sometimes crack my thumb. Nope, not now. Oh. There it goes. Oh, you're speaking <laughs> when it happens. <laughs> I'm sure. Here, wait, so can I. Okay, <laughs> that, was, that was fake. So uh, the phenomenon would follow Esther, too. So one Sunday, they were at their local Baptist church, and Esther and the whole household were sitting at a, on a pew in the back of the building. The preacher began his sermon, and suddenly the church was just echoing with these loud knocks and these raps. They reverberated from wall to wall. Apparently, they seemed to the people there, they're coming from the front of the church, on the opposite side of the church from where Esther and her family were sitting. They grew so loud that they drowned out the voice of the minister, and they persisted until Esther finally, she realized she knew it was her, so she got up and she left, and, and the sound stopped. So the minister just kept I guess going so. with his sermon? Like, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> and the Bible says, I'm, 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 <laughs> damn it, this damn ghost. So Dr. Kareet, who had been in, in treating her, he was convinced. Years later, he wrote to a medical colleague of his about the case, and he said, quote, honestly, skeptical persons were on all occasions soon convinced that there was no fraud or deception in the case. Were I to publish the case in the medical journals, as you suggest, I doubt if it would be believed by physicians generally. I am certain I could not have believed such apparent miracles had I not witnessed them. Mm, I don't so he know was I'd call them miracles, but... Yeah. Phenomena. Phenomena. 
But <laughs> he was convinced. He was yeah. sold. And again, he wasn't the only one. Esther then, at this point, this is later in the, in the year, 1878, she begins to see ghosts or entities or something in the house during these manifestations. And then she says she can even hear their voices tormenting her. Oh, my. Mm. She described one ghost, apparently visible to her, as, quote, there he stands all in gray. See how his eyes are glaring at me, and he laughs when he says, I must leave the house tonight, or he will start a fire in the loft under the roof and burn us all to death. So they're not God. nice. Not nice at all. like you're a third poltergeist. I didn't have any. Mm, we both know <laughs> you did. So this is terrifying to the whole family. Now, this would be scary. I would think. I'm oh, yeah. Yeah. Even when I thought it was my, like, my crazy-ass daughter, I'd say, well, she's going to burn the house down, so let's um, do something about this. Yeah. I mean, moving won't help. Nope. That crazy-ass daughter's going to move she, with yeah. you. Well, you know you do. You rent her a loft in the city, and she can live on her own, <laughs> yeah. I think, at this point. If you guys want to rent me a loft in the city, I will gladly well, you, not burn this house you down. You better fake a ghost. Maybe we will. Shit, okay. Eventually, the entity would take it out on Esther and actually physically abuse her. Aww. Numerous times, the family or the people in the house would hear like a slapping sound, and Esther would recoil as if she'd just been struck, and then they'd look at it, and her skin would, would have welts and be red as Good if she'd God. just been smacked in the face. Wow. She was smacking herself. Smacking her face. Smacking herself. Careful. Phrasing. <laughs> Sewing pins appeared seemingly out of nowhere, and sometimes they would stab in Esther's face. Oh my God! Oh my goodness! It's dangerous. You can lose an eye. That's getting dangerous. Yeah, it's not okay. The worst though was yet to come. One day, a neighborhood boy was over at the house, I guess, to see the ruckus. A lot of times, we'll find out later, the crowds would come and people would. Yeah. I, I don't know if he knew someone in the house. Was a friend of someone, but he's in the house apparently, and he, like all kids of the 19th century, had a pocket knife. And he has his pocket knife out, and he's playing with it or whatever. Suddenly, it's ripped from his hands, and it flies across the room, and boom, sticks Esther right in the back. Oh, my God. One version of this story has it that when someone tried to pull the knife out of her back, it flew out of that person's hand right back into the same wound. That reeks of total bullshit. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's literally, it's like one of those things where one person says this, yeah. and I'm, you know. Again, for you people writing this stuff up, when you knowingly embellish or add stuff, you're a dick. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. You know, we all know we're taking from sources, and sources are various. I mean, I, I probably looked at, I don't know, 10 sources, and I'm not going to say any of them are super quality journalism, uh, well, but at least we're yeah. citing yeah. how the story is mm-hmm. told. But like I said, you can tell by when you have these little touches and things like that that only appear in one or two sources, it's obviously somebody's embellishing, and you're a son of a bitch. In December of 1878, Esther got diphtheria. What's that? Carrie, tell her. A disease. I, I mean, I know, <laughs> but I'm, I just want Carrie to contribute. Diphtheria? Diphtheria, yes. Okay, mom will look it so up. So we're going to stall until... Uh, until it's um, a disease for which we have a vaccine. It's okay. a very rare okay. now. Preventable by vaccine. I'm sure it'll make uh, a comeback. Don't kiss Probably. somebody with it. I'm not going to. Didn't plan on it. Wow. I'm not even saying what it is, but it's, it's a serious infection caused by strains of bacteria called blah blah blah. Okay, this is that, scientific term. Good that well. make toxin. It can lead to difficulty breathing, heart failure, paralysis, and even death. Are you reading a this, medical journal from Asia that was translated yeah, in English? Yeah, that there? gave that's, me no, no information. That was from CDC.gov. Okay, well that's not good. So you know what? 
you guys, let's move on past. It's just the bacteria. Okay. It affects the mem- mucous membranes of your of nose, nose and, throat. and throat. Okay. You know what? Can we? Can we? <laughs> yeah, I should have said it. I should have said an ailment. Go ahead. Anyway, she got diphtheria, and it's December eighteen seventy-eight, and for two weeks she was sick and in bed. During this period, there were no signs whatsoever of these terrifying spirits haunting the house in Amherst. Well, maybe they didn't want to pile on while she's sick. Is that it? They're like, guys, let's okay. chill. She's sick. Like, yeah. we're not that much of really? an asshole. These are the people who are starting fires, slapping her, but plunging they, knives into her back. Everyone really. has a line. Okay. So, all right. I guess this was their line was diphtheria. Yeah. Uh-huh. Maybe they thought she was going to die. That they felt really bad about how they've been treating her. Yeah. yeah, I thought about that. Okay, this lack of phenomena continued when she then after I guess she got well and she went to live with her married older sister in Sackville, New Brunswick. It's a town that's about eighteen kilometers, eleven miles, to the west of Amherst. So nothing happened during this time in either Sackville where Esther was living with her eldest sister, are back at the Haunted Teed House in Amherst. Oh. Mm. So for a while, things have quieted down. Oh. But then Esther returned home to live again with Daniel and Olive in Amherst, and the bad stuff happened again almost immediately. Why didn't she just stay in Sackville? I guess their eldest sister's like, you know what? You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Mm-hmm. Get out. I'm really sick of you. I don't know, Carrie. Huh. You Live there forever, so yeah, with your old sister again. Move with, with your old sister, and yeah, live there forever. Okay, yeah, all right. Hey, I, no, <laughs> <laughs> Emma wants to move in with my oldest sister. That's I'm true. gonna not want to, I'm going to. <laughs> okay, all right. She better get the bed ready. <laughs> <laughs> this now is just too much for the teeds. So, uh, again, it's probably a situation where could you maybe Dip. leave? Could you skirt out? We're big fans and all, but you're causing a lot of problems here. Huh. So, she, well, you know, there's a tolerance. Is the border gone? Oh yeah, I'm sure he's long gone. Okay. She moves into her house in January 18, January 1879, where she uh, got work in their dining saloon, which I think, I guess, like their dining room is like a little restaurant. That's how I took it. But she basically was a live-in. Mm-hmm. She and she worked someplace else. She moved out. Yes, she moved okay. to this, this house. is in Amherstdale, but it's they had a little in-house restaurant, I guess, and she worked that and lived there, and I just did chores and stuff like that, right? Yeah. But the phenomenon followed her to this new, oh, new no. house, so they booted her house, her ass out, and she had to move back with Daniel and Olive in their house. Huh. Esther, so maybe it can't leave Amherst. No, not not yet. Anyway, no. Because that's why it didn't follow. Couldn't follow oh, her Sackville. Actually, no. Because we'll see in a minute. That oh, it, it didn't okay. So Esther had her supporters. By the way, at this time, one minister, a doctor, Edwin Clay, had investigated the situation. I don't know if he's the same Baptist minister that was drowned out by the wrappings. Probably. <laughs> the, how many Baptist ministers can there have been here at this time? Several. I doubt it. In Amherst, Nova Scotia. I don't know. I doubt it. He investigated and he witnessed some of the phenomena himself. He defended Esther, and he said that she was absolutely not causing these things, and he even went on a little, like, a lecture circuit and told her story and drew pretty sizable crowds who were interested in the story. So it's becoming pretty notorious around, you know, I guess Nova Scotia and New Brunswick by this time. Sometimes crowds would gather outside their house. Some like sneak in a peek and maybe look into the yeah. windows, things like hmm. that. They're all just hoping to get a glimpse of something. They want to see something fly through the air. They want to see a knife stick in the wall, something. They're trying to see wow. things. So they would have these crowds outside waiting for hearing a crash or, or a big clapping sound yeah. or whatever. 
in March of 1879, Esther went to St. John, New Brunswick, and apparently it was expressly to be investigated by some group, you know, people Great. of science, apparently, yeah. who, who had heard about the case. St. John was and is. It's a far larger town at the time. It had about 25,000 people. It's about 220 kilometers, 137 miles, from Ad- Amherst. <laughs> so you have to dork. do it, Gary. So... <laughs> This would have been a pretty big deal for her to go. So apparently, yeah. I they contacted her, and and I'm sure Daniel and all of them. Yeah, yeah, no, you should go. You should definitely go. Stay <laughs> as long as you need to. Absolutely. So, and I, I, I take it the investigators were of that of the psychical variety, right? The yes. psychical. That is, it's those people who, with this interest in psychic phenomena, like spirit readings and you know communicating with the dead and things like that. This is still a big deal in the ni- in the latter part of the 19th century. Mm-hmm. It had been going. Spiritualism had be, had been going on since really the Fox Sisters in eighteen forties, I think. Eighteen from the late eighteen forties, it was still a, it had waxed and waned, but it was still a big deal. And remember, as we we touched on it in the show before, that after Civil War, when everybody knew someone who's dead, it, it made a big comeback. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, everybody wanted to speak with someone, some dead husband, dead. Son, I don't know brother. anybody who's dead. <laughs> so you do. Yes, you do. You hundred percent do, Carrie. You used to think you were an orphan, even though a your mom's alive, and b you're over fifty. You really can't be an orphan when you're over fifty. I mean, not in the sense of the word. So someday I will be an orphan. I, yeah. Jesus no, Christ. no, not really. No. So, so this is still that era where spiritualism is very, very popular, especially among the upper middle class in particular, and they had you know psychic readings and seances in many a, a fine house across North America and Europe. And there was this burgeoning movement to explain and understand this supposed phenomena. So the people who brought Esther to St. John, I, I think, were of that ilk. They were mm. studying it. And you know, well-to-do amateurs, usually, with an interest in anything supernatural. Unlike today, where these groups are overwhelmingly peopled by you know, the true believers who have never seen any supernatural phenomena that wasn't true to them. Yeah. At this time, and for a long time afterward, these psychical societies were, were pretty serious in many cases. Oh. They, were, they, were, they found and debunked many cases many times. Huh. I think this, though, was a group at the time that was, I mean, I don't know their makeup or their attitude, but they certainly found what they were looking for with Esther. So... They communicate with the spirits swirling around poor Esther with rappings and sounds, right? Which is something that, that went back to the very original case, the Fox Sisters. They originally, the whole phenomenon started with the Fox Sisters faking rapping. They're actually doing various joint, like, like yeah. Carrie's talent. To, but they are more talented than me. They were very, very, very talented. And they yes. could, like, you know, two for yes, one for no, and they could spell things out, things like that. So that's how they communicated with the spirits associated with Esther at this time. They also use something called automatic writing, where you oh. just close your eyes and just, you just, oh, I guess you don't have to close your eyes, but you just put the pen on the paper, dip it in the ink, mm-hmm. and just go write, just write, and everything comes out. The idea is that some spirit is flowing through you and controlling that writing. And so they, they use wrappings and automatic writing. Although it's not clear who was doing the writing, whether it was Esther or some, you know, quote unquote sensitive that was affiliated with this group. I suppose probably the latter, this group in St. John, right? So through these means, they discovered that there were multiple spirits surrounding unlucky Esther and making her life so miserable. Again, there's a lack of clarity surrounding this. I don't know if they thought that spirits were possessing Esther or just sort of you know following her. This was before 
exorcism and demonic possession had gained a really, really popular foothold. I mean, it was still there was still the thing, but it wasn't. It didn't grow into the massive popularity it did here in, uh, what really honestly, the nineteen seventies and mm-hmm. from then on. So, I, 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 my guess is this, the latter that they just felt Esther was sort of plagued by these spirits that followed her around, right? And again, you, you mentioned that did it follow her? I, I mean, it, they must have followed her because otherwise, you wouldn't have the wrappings and, and automatic writing. So, yeah. yes, this is now in St. John, Newfoundland, my, right. many miles away, many kilometers away. And so, yeah, it did follow her, apparently. Yeah. Jesus. So I don't, think, I don't think they thought she was literally possessed by demons or ghosts, but they were associated around her and they were messing with her. Yeah. One spirit claimed to be someone named Maggie Fisher, who had gone to school with Esther years ago, but had died in 1867. Now, if you do the math, that would mean Maggie Fisher must have been something like 10 years old, because in 1878, Esther was 18 or 19 years old, so in 1867 mm. was 11 years, so she would have been maybe even 8 or 9 or yeah. 10, something like that, this Maggie Fisher. Apparently, there was a Maggie Fisher at the same school as Esther back in the day, but they didn't really know each other, or at least didn't know each other very well, mm-hmm. but now this Maggie Fisher is spirit, so she's, she must be dead, yeah. is plaguing and haunting poor Esther. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No. But through this, the wrapping communication they also found out there was other ghosts including a guy named bob nickel he was 60 year old shoemaker i'm emphasizing that purposely yeah peter teed t-e-e-d john nickel Mm. and eliza mcneil mcneil bob mcneil was the guy who attacked her yes so eliza and bob so two with the same last name another with her brother-in-law's last name Mm, we'll talk more about this later, but not very imaginative. Hmm. And then Bob McNeil, the original Bob McNeil who had attacked her, he claimed that the same Bob Nickel, one of the spirits haunting poor Esther, had haunted him. And actually, that was what caused him to do his terrible oh, violent act against wow. Esther just, what is this, probably six or seven months ago by this point. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, you guys were bad-mouthing Bob McNeil a little while ago. You didn't know the full story, now, did you? He was obviously being bothered by a spirit. That's why he know. attempted to rape her. You said he had a reputation, though. He did, so. but maybe he's been bothered by spirits for a long time, Carrie. Give him the Fuck him and doubt. that spirit. Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, fight the matriarchy, people. <laughs> <laughs> So after this, Esther went to live with a family called the Van Ambergs. They owned a farm near Amherst. It seems like they just, you know, she's being shunted around, obviously, at this point, yeah. which is clearly true. So, her, uh, and again, obviously, her family is all too willing Happy to, to send yeah. her to the scientists. Now she can go mm-hmm. live with the Van Ambergs, who I, I take it were just doing this out of charity, I think. She, it doesn't sound like she had a job there or something like that, but they were convinced somehow to take her in. And they did, and she lived there, and things were quiet there at the Van Ambergs for a, a while. Doesn't it? I, I think she lived there for a few weeks, so it seemed like, okay, the coast is clear. Mm-hmm. The spirits have left her. It's okay to go back to the teeth. So she did in the summer of 1879. But that was a mistake. Huh. Soon as she's there in her old haunts, pardon the pun, <laughs> these ghostly manifestations broke out yet again. All the things started flying. I don't think, it doesn't sound like she had the the, the pain and the swelling anymore, but it's, it's more pure poltergeist activity by this point, it sounds like, and had been for a little while. So by now, the case had become at least locally notorious, 
And I mean, it had to be the talk of the maritime provinces, I'm sure. <laughs> Certainly New Brunswick and Nova Scotia, for sure. Mm-hmm. So the Teeds had a room open because there weren't enough people living in that house. And so a man named Walter Hubble decided to rent that room in June of 1879. Hubble had heard about the case and thought of himself as sort of a, I guess, a supernatural investigator. Wait, and, and Esther's back by now. Esther's right? back. She's okay. living there. He's heard about the case. Esther's, you know, he knows Esther's back in the house. They've got a room open. I'm going to go ahead and rent that room and see it off myself because I'm, you know, I'm into this kind of thing. Yeah. He just, I'll skip ahead. He's going to write a book and make make some money from this thing. So (laughs) Hubble witnessed much of the phenomena that we've been talking about here. He sees the things flying. He sees, you know, he sees Esther pick with the print pen, all that kind of stuff. And, And this happens with Esther in full view of him and other witnesses and apparently in a position where she could not possibly have been causing these things herself. Which is, again, we hear that again and again and again in poltergeist cases. We always hear that. But many, of course, yeah. have been exposed. Like the Smurl family and others have been exposed where the person, the, the almost always a teenage girl, yeah. is doing it by herself. Or sometimes, I think in the Smurl case, two of them were doing it. Being a scientific investigator, though, I, I should have put quotes around the word scientific, Hubble used wrappings... And he spoke with all the spirits oh. that from the whole St. John crew had found out about, as well as three more, or at least two more. There was a now another, a new one called Mary Fisher, mm. really close to Maggie oh. Fisher. Jane Nickel, mm, so close to jo- uh, uh, Bob Nickel. And also, by the way, Jane was the name of, of, her, old, of her one of her sisters, remember Jane right. slash Jenny. Uh-huh. And then uh, I think also Eliza McNeil in this source I read it was listed as a new one, but that's actually the same as, as the Nova Scotia, the, the St. John's crowd had found. So again, there's all these, these, all these spirits here and they all have very similar names and the names are connected to people she knows. So yeah. mm-hmm. just keep that in mind. So Hubble cashed in. He, he investigates her for a couple of few weeks, I guess, apparently. Or he sees all these things. Other witnesses there see all these things. So he says, Esther, I want to take you out on a speaking tour. You made a lot of money this time. Yeah. From, uh, going out on, honestly, honestly, going out on speaking tours was not unlike bands going on concert tours. It was mm-hmm. a, you made a yeah. good money if you had something that could sell tickets. And this was a, I'm, I'm sure he's doing it locally. It doesn't say where they went. But I don't think they went very far. They're probably, again, in St. George or Moncton and places like that. And at one at one of the earliest ones, though, she is heckled mercilessly. Oh. It may have been by a rival theater owner who was just trying to, like, I don't Good know, pissed Lord. off that they didn't go to his theater or whatever, trying to mess with his competition. He heckles her, and she can't stand it. She has none of it. She calls it off, So does, and she won't do anymore. She's yeah. done with the lecture circuit. It, the tour she doesn't need falls that. Apart. She doesn't need that. It's got enough problems. Yeah. Damn it. So she goes home. Hubble would late, just almost immediately, the book would be published later that year. Remember this? He went, he went there in June. So he's with her just, what, maybe June, maybe July. By the end of the year, he's published The Haunted House, A True Ghost Story. And it sells over 55,000 copies. Wow. That's like, that he made a like good a chunk lot, of yeah. change from this. And in that, he has an affidavit. I've read either 13 or 16 people signed this affidavit saying, yeah, we saw some shit. Uh, here's our name. Here's where we live. And we saw these things and, and had no, you know, couldn't understand them. And we didn't see her faking it, Yeah, essentially. His book begins with this. I'll read a, a fairly lengthy little paragraph here from this, the beginning of Walter Howell's book. 
The manifestations described in the story commenced one year ago. No person has yet been able to ascertain their cause. Some people think that electricity is their principal agent. Others, <laughs> mesmerism, which is hypnosis. Mesmerism. Whilst others, again, are sure they are produced by the devil. Mm, yes. Of the three supposed causes, the latter is certainly the most plausible theory, <laughs> which, again, is caused by the devil. For some of the manifestations are remarkably devilish in their appearance and effect. For instance, the mysterious setting of fires, the powerful shaking of the house, the loud and incessant noises and distinct knocking, as if made by invisible sledgehammers on the walls. Semicolon. Also, the strange <laughs> actions of the household furniture, which moves about in the broad daylight without the slightest visible cause. End quote. So, he. That's why he starts the book. By the way, he's basically just. That's the yeah. story. We're done. I mean, <laughs> so it becomes a, a very notorious case, and it already is. But now it's even more nationally. Now I mean, sell fifty-five thousand copies. That must have been yeah. now it's a national phenomenon. Esther then got a job on a farm as a live-in hand for a guy named Arthur Davidson. Davison, right? This is late 1879 now. Unfortunately, not long into her tenure there, Arthur Davidson's farm, I'm, I'm sorry, Arthur Davidson's barn burns to the ground. Mm. She's got a little bit of a history of fire, at least in her presence yeah. from before. Davison immediately blames Esther and said, you started the fire, you're an arsonist. Bitch, <laughs> you burn my barn. He said it like that, too. He's Canadian. So he accuses her officially. She's Great. arrested. She's tried. Oh, my God. And she's convicted for oh, arson. my God. Esther Ugh. is sentenced to four months in jail. Wow. Pretty lenient for burning the guy's yeah. barn. She serves one month and is released. Okay. Nice. So I think they felt a little bad for her. Yeah. After this, all these haunting phenomena, these terrifying events, pretty quickly disappear. Oh. Gradually, but fairly quickly, nothing's happening anymore. Esther moves on with her life. She would go on to marry twice, first to a guy named Mr. Adams. Who dies in a house fire. Oh, no, my just God. Kidding. Maybe he did. <laughs> oh, my God. This is in Springdale, Nova Scotia. She bore him a son, but he must have died because the sources just say she married a second time. Yeah. So I'm guessing she died. You yeah. didn't really get divorced. So she marries a second time to a Mr. Shanahan because we don't need first names for these people. <laughs> no, we don't. He lives in Brockton, Massachusetts, so she moved to America. Oh. Where she lived out the rest of her day. She actually had, she had a second son with him as well. I don't know what happened to the first son. I'm assuming she's she with her. She probably brought him with her. Probably so. I'm assuming. <laughs> I'm assuming. She just good, lent him to a farm and said, hey, be good. Go, let's, let's drop you off in Prince Edward Island and you can meet oh, uh, Anne. Anne of Green Gables and maybe you guys can <laughs> yeah. Anne of Green Gables. Uh, what, that, what might happen? When was that? When was Anne of Green Gables? What year was that? Mm. Around... I don't know you for really sure. You really should know that. It's like your yeah. favorite book in the world. Mid-1800s. It's embarrassing you don't know when it <laughs> You should know the exact timeline for Anne of Green Gables. You should know her bio. In what year is Anne of Green Gables set? She's not asking us, by the way. She's asking. She's asking. 1876. According to some information well, would you look at that? Wikipedia. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna assume she left her son to hang out with Anne Green Gables. Probably yeah. 1876 to 1881. It's several okay. books. So she lives in Brockton, Massachusetts, the rest of her short life because she died in 1912, the age of 53. Oh wow! Wow. I'm gonna go pulmonary embolism. I have no idea. Nothing says. <laughs> so, what caused this craziness in Amherst, Nova Scotia, nearly a century ago? The devil, demons. 
It was thought at the time, spirits was kind of the most mm-hmm. po- popular answer of the time. And, and again, the, the, the folks in St. John thought it was spirits. Everybody kind of thought it was spirits. But remember, remember, spirits was the go-to answer at this time yeah. Yeah. for psychic phenomena, for supernatural mayhem. The multiple spirits that were seen around her, I, you know, you obviously make the argument because that was the answer. At another time, it might have been angels. At another time, it might have been demons. At another time, it might have been multiple personality disorder. At another mm. time, it might have been, I don't know, aliens. But it, depending on the, the culture of the time, that typically impacts the solution for any phenomenon, for any question like this. And uh-huh. at this time, yeah. spirits was the obvious solution for this. So, so whether or not it was spirits, I don't know. But that people thought it was spirits is culture bound. I wonder what the go-to is these days. I don't know. Yeah, I, what is the go-to right now for something like that? It's just, I, I think it's innate psychic ability. Because notice they didn't think she was doing it. Yeah. it this, this would have been a poltergeist case in the 50s yeah. or 60s or 70s or maybe even now. Mm-hmm. This was a classic poltergeist case. But they didn't have it then. It hadn't really been invented as a concept right. yet. I mean, so, do we have in Germany? Do we have poltergeists now? I mean, I you don't hear about them very much, but no. you heard about them in the sixties and the seventies, yeah, eighties. After the movie, anytime mm-hmm. there's something yeah. that, just like multiple personality after Sybil, mm-hmm. that went from a, from almost never occurring to thousands and thousands of cases. Yeah, honestly, None there isn't real, really one yeah. thing. Well, you know, what? I my guess that one thing would be psychic phenomenon. Mm-hmm. They're telekinetic. They're psychokinetic. Something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I think that yeah. that's the go-to right now because that's in the culture right now. Psychic powers is is fairly or popular. being an an empath or connected to something otherworldly yeah. is yeah. quite popular. Yeah, like signs that you are, you know, really? connected to the spirit world. Yeah, like you're an empath. That you're a, a super an healer. Empath. That you know, you're that's from a, Star Trek, don't you? <laughs> uh, oh, but it's super. I've seen it in. It's many, quite quite yeah. popular. Okay. Yeah, wow. these days to be one yeah. on Facebook. Wow groups and stuff. I've literally seen people claim to be an empath. Like, I'm an empath, so, yeah. so I feel your pain. Uh-huh. <laughs> they are sad, delusional people. Just like people who thought they had multiple personality disorder. And hey, because no tread lightly, sir. did. Fake. Completely fake. Was Esther a psychic then? Did she have psychokinesis? Whether unwittingly or wittingly. Okay, wait, let's ask you. Do you believe in psychic abilities? You're asking Dean? You're asking uh-huh. me? Yeah. I'm stepping out of my role as host. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, on a scale of one to ten, one being no. absolutely not, and ten being absolutely, I'm a two. Oh, I'm okay. a three, maybe. That's higher than I thought you'd say. It probably is. It's just that, I mean, there is some little tiny shred of possibility that is some kind of a you know, mental force that can create mm-hmm. a physical force, but I'm... I've never seen anything that looked even you remotely convincing. You don't con- think there's like Raven Baxters out in the world? Like that's so Raven vibes? I like? think there might be Raven Baxters, but they're like the people who think they're empaths and they're delusional mm. as opposed to psychic. Mm. That's what I think. Yeah. But I, I'd be willing to hold out some. It, it, it would have to be obviously a physical cause, a natural cause. You know, the supernatural is things that are natural that we don't understand yet. And so mm-hmm. if there's something like that, I'm willing to have an open mind about it for sure. Nice. Well, look at you. So, <laughs> or was it a classic poltergeist? You know, is mm-hmm. this, I mean, is, like I say, right now, if this is done, or certainly, in the, I think even now, though, just the nature of phenomena, mm-hmm. other than the, the initial, notice how the initial stuff with her swelling and things like that, uh, that it, it seems to have gone away and been, been replaced by all this knife throwing and yeah. furniture moving, classic poltergeist activities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think these days, 
it would be classified as a poltergeist case, yeah. not a haunting or yeah. a spirit case. But do you believe that poltergeist activity really exists? Uh, if it does exist, it would have to be psychokinesis. Yeah. So I'll, I'll stay uh, on that. I'm, I'm a one and a half on poltergeist activity because uh, I, I, there's most cases where it's been. The person is doing it on the purpose. The person is doing it on yeah. purpose, yeah. I mean, yeah. Not, not even like some people say, oh, they don't know they're doing it. No, they know they're doing it and they're doing it for attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost always it's almost always teenage girls. Yeah. Sometimes occasionally young young men, as well, but mostly teenage girls who have are just going through a very, very stressful time. And they hormones, are. man. Yeah. And you want to know the it's reason like for Haley that? It's like Haley when she had her first period. She oh, ran through the house like shit on, t- on, on fire. <laughs> you want to know the reason? Why? Why? You can't guess what my reason is going to be? For what? Why it's always young women. Oh, I do know, but go ahead. The fucking patriarchy. Patriarchy. Yeah, young women go through trauma. I'm with you. And and they can't literally say, I'm upset, I'm having a problem. Mm -hmm. Well, as the patriarchy crumbles, hopefully we'll see less less poltergeist. Maybe. It could be a direct correlation. I know. (laughs) I think we are. hope so. We're working on it. That and the uterus... Because that makes women hysterical, as we established in the 19th century. Right, so, correct. Fact. That's correct. why it's called hysteria, Carrie. <laughs> it's not a coincidence. What, how about evil spirits? Demonic possession? Again, for a time, this would have been possibly considered a demonic possession case mm-hmm. in certain yeah. times of, of history. Maybe not right now. Maybe right now. I don't know. Honestly, I don't feel like people would go to possession right I now. I don't think so either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't seem like other... Again, it seems maybe if the phenomenon that first happened with the swelling and the pain... Maybe that, but then when it gets into things flying around, stuff like that, it seems much less. You know what I could demon. see people saying it could be these days? What? Witch witchcraft. Witchcraft mm. and witch related things, voodoo, stuff like that, spiritual magic in ways has made a resurgence in yes. the past. Oh yeah, definitely. Right now, right? Yes. Yeah. But it's usually good. It's good. usually good. Wicca. Yeah. Yes. But I swear to God, if Wicked. I hear one more white woman say that she is a descendant of a, oh, the witches yes. you couldn't burn, yes. I will punch you in the face. Yeah, Because uh, uh, shut up. Listen, Samantha, we know you like charm. <laughs> but, but shut your mouth. Get over it. All right? You are not a descendant from the witches of Salem. No, no, you're not. Please leave. And even if you were, shut up. Because you know why? There were no witches of Salem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just people who were killed by the patriarchy. Yep. God damn it. Because they like to grow herbs. What was your um, solution that you're supposed to remember? Emma, where's your steel trap mine here? See, I told you to write it down, Wait, Carrie. What was it? <laughs> I knew you weren't going to remember. Emma was supposed um, to um, remember. Um, 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 a solution? She had something. Yeah, I said save it for when we're talking about what was really happening here. You said, oh, I think I know what it was. What was it? You're dead to me. <laughs> but, but didn't I say it at the time? Did you? I don't know. Should we go to the tape? I think she did say we it. We might have time. an insert right here. <laughs> Everybody's yelling, she said... So we know two things from this, listeners. One, <laughs> Carrie should write things down to remember them later. And two, Emma does not have a steel trap mind. And neither does Dean. I, I didn't say I did. That's why I write stuff down so I remember them later. So Carrie's intriguing, I think actually a very intriguing idea here for this was... Allergic reaction. Yeah. So Cost her physical symptoms. Yeah. So her first thing, all the swelling came first and the pain, and then later it really morphed into purely poltergeist-type activity. So did it start with a real allergic reaction? She didn't, they didn't know what was happening. She, it was a lot of pain. She got a lot of attention. That allergic reaction went away, and she 
was able to find another avenue to gain that attention that she deserved. Sure. I don't know. It's intriguing. Okay. Um, let's call it the carry theory. Yes. Yes. In the lore, it'll be known <laughs> as the carry allergy theory. All right. That's it. Okay. We're back now. <laughs> how about, how about was Esther faking it? Whether intentionally or not, I guess again, if to not intent, like almost an out of body experience, something like that, to not intentionally. So I was she intentionally my faking shot it? Shot in the dark. Okay, what was it? I think she went through something extremely traumatic, like she we did. said earlier. Uh-huh. She was abused almost. I mean, she was assaulted almost yes. violently and sexually. Mm-hmm. So she detached herself psychologically think, yeah. from herself physically, which is a is a trauma thing, mm-hmm. a response to trauma. And she was doing this herself. But couldn't the same thing be, she doesn't have to be dissociative. She could have just been acting out. So yeah, again, yeah. she knows she's doing it, but she's acting out yeah. to, to yes. just rebel against what's happened to it her. It could or, be one of the two. Or, or like, I didn't get any attention yeah. or help when this horrible thing happened to me, so I'm going to make you pay attention to me Carrie, now. They made him leave. I mean, what else were they supposed to do yeah. for attempted rape? Yeah. Oh, he been in prison for 40 years? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, no, it, I think, I mean, that would be my guess because I yeah. don't believe in but who experience. but who knows what her sister and brother-in-law said to her they could have blamed her yeah they could have been angry at her because yeah. if they did make him leave they lost the income from that border right yeah. mm-hmm. that's true I mean Here, I mean and she's wearing collars over an inch below her neckline that's yeah, it's pretty provocative yeah yeah she had her her she, sleeves they didn't reach her wrist she showed her ankle so. she showed a little bit of ankle, a lower part of the ankle mm-hmm. so yeah mm, that's know. what I would if I had to you know say my official Assumption. Yeah. That yeah. The reason I, the intentional part of it though is I go back to the names of the spirits yes. that are kind of interesting. They were just so unimaginative. Yeah. They were all basically plays on people Esther knew. Yeah. And the Maggie Fisher thing, here's my pure speculation, I'll admit that. Was Maggie Fisher was someone she knew, someone she went to school with. I'm going to assume, in fact, a fair likely assumption is that Maggie Fisher was dead by this point. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they're not thinking she's a spirit, right? Yeah. So, from when they went to school, you know, Maggie Fisher died at a, at a fairly young age. Esther remembers that because they went to, they were school chums. I mean, they lived in Amherst. They knew each other, mm-hmm. obviously. How many, you know, there was probably 17 people in that school. Did Esther know Maggie, which I think she did, and then know that she had died so she could, you know, uh, who's, what, is, what are the names of spirit who's haunting you? Uh, Maggie Fisher, because that just, it comes yep. to her. She knows, she knows yeah. that, that woman is dead, that girl was dead. And then the other ones are people are plays on names of people she knew. She's okay. What's the name of the spirit? Uh, Bob Nickel, you know Bob, Eliza McNeil, McNeil being the border yeah. that she lived with. So I, I feel like she that's what she's grabbing names, and she just wasn't really good at thinking up really unique names, right? And new names. Yeah. And that's what tell. That's why I know this is pretty tenuous, but that's why I think that leads me to believe this was completely intentional. Not to say that, I mean, she was acting mm-hmm. out for a very good reason. Yeah. A very good cause of why she was doing this, but she was doing this consciously and intentionally. She was throwing things across the room. She was moving the pillow shut somehow. And obviously, so then the last thing I'll say is then, were some of these things exaggerated by Walter Hubble? He is really the almost the only source we have. I know, not, Dr. Crete has a letter saying, I saw some crazy mm-hmm. shit. Other people signed an affidavit saying, we saw some crazy shit, but the specifics of it, were from Walter Hubble's book, and pretty much mm-hmm. only from Walter Hubble's book. So I've said about it before. You know, you, it's one thing to see a knife suddenly fly across the room, or even right. a furniture move. Right. That we know for a fact people have done that in these some of these poltergeist cases. Right. If if writing is suddenly on a wall that wasn't there moments of, uh, uh, ago, 
that's pretty much impossible to explain. Mm-hmm. Was Walter Hubble just making that shit up? Yeah. Or exactly. In other words, the points that are inexplicable, as opposed to the points that are explicable in hindsight, mm-hmm. was Walter Hubble exaggerating yeah. for effect. And I've, I've argued a lot of times these these cases of seemingly supernatural occurrences, as they get older, the accretions onto these cases are, are things, because what happens is that, here's the story, and someone says, well, that could have happened in this natural way, X, right. Y, and Z. And they say, well, wait, also, and that also is something that is much more difficult to explain by natural means. And so Walter Hubble, I'm guessing here, yeah. likely, I yeah. think, did that right. with, the, with the parts of the story that seem utterly inexplicable. Right, like the loud noises at church and stuff like that. The exaggeration are, are you know, the, that the noise really was sledgehammer bang right. on the roof kind of loud. Yeah. You know, I, I, I will say this though, there are some, inter- to, even if you knock down some of those most extreme things, this is a pretty amazing case. Yeah. This, I yeah. mean, even being able to have something that sounded just loud in the room. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what exactly was she doing if she was doing something, if, if my surmise is correct, and she was doing something yeah. physical? I don't know what she was doing. I'm not sure how she did it. Yeah. She's really good at it if she could <laughs> do it that, this yeah. way. But again, Occam's razor, this thing. Mm-hmm. And is it, huh, she was doing some things that I can't fully explain how she was doing? Or is it she was haunted by evil spirits who were doing all these terrible things? Yeah. Right. right. I mean, which right. one is a, a little more rational? Yeah. That's... So that's my take on that. Either that or none of it ever happened. It's all fiction. I, I, I think that there's more than a kernel of truth here. There's yeah. too many witnesses. Yeah. There's, uh, something was going on there. I, like I say, it's a, in my mind, it's a, it's a classic poltergeist case. Those have happened for throughout history. Mm-hmm. And they and they already been happening. They'd happen in Germany, where, where it means noisy ghost. Poltergeist is German. Right. Uh, it had already happened by this point in Germany. I don't know. I'd have to go back. And we'll do poltergeist episode one of these days. And we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll know more then. But... These things had happened, have happened, will happen, and and happen now, but they, you know, they're they're faked. I mean, in I think in every case that has been really investigated, they're yeah. shown to be faked. Yeah. And that's not to say, you know, I want to keep an open mind here. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is poltergeist out there. Yeah. I don't think there is, but you never know. And this was one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or six of them, and they're all named <laughs> names that were very familiar <laughs> to Esther. Yeah. Anyway. That is the case of the Great Amherst Haunting. Interesting. If you're a descendant, yes. let us know. Of Esther's. Esther Cox. And her sons. Esther Cox. Shanahan. Shanahan. Yes. I Tell don't us. know. What was the second name? The, her first that husband. Was the, that was the second. The first one was something else. <laughs> <laughs> Insert here. Oh, Mr. Adams or something like that? Mr. Something. Yeah. Insert. Mr. His first name, Mr. Last Mr. Name Adams, Adams. Yeah. Adams in Springfield, Nova Scotia, and Shanahan in Brockton, Massachusetts. So, yeah. yeah. Write us. Tell us what's going, on, what's going on. What's the family lore? Yeah. Didn't mean to say anything bad about your mom. She had an unfortunate situation. Or great grandma. I'm on her. Or, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right. <laughs> great, great, great grandma. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, she's just trying to bring down the patriarch, patriarchy in her way. And yeah, we're on her side, actually. We're absolutely yeah, on her absolutely. side. Absolutely. 100%. Yep. Thank you, Carrie. You're, thank, thank you, Emma. Dean. <laughs> thank you, Dean. <laughs> Tell you begging us for listening to I, you? Sure, why not? <laughs> How kind. <laughs> Tell them where they can find us and stuff. Like Weird that. World Podcast <laughs> at Mock Gmail and Facebook and Instagram and Patreon. 
And that's his all. And Twitch and Twitch. Google Chrome and Firefox. What are you even saying? And AOL. And Twitter, and too. Napster. I'm going to start tweeting again. I'm oh, going to do a bunch you? of tweets. Well, if Just Dean tweet, ever tweets tweet. again, it's going to be World Pod. Hashtag. No cast right. on Twitter. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. That's our last full episode of the Halloween Stravaganza. We might have a weird bit here for you in, in the next couple of days. I'm not sure, to be honest yep. with you. Otherwise, then, we, then we're probably going to go back to our, our regular weird programming. Every other week programming. And please listen to us then. Bye. Bye. Bye.